From Bainbridge Island to the villages. Pickleball is one of the fastest growing sports in America. Buckeye to Abbotsford. Time out, baby, yeah! St. George to Rochester and all points in between. If you've heard of pickleball or you already play it, then you know. This is the Pickleball Show. This is Coach Ball from PickleballCoach.com. And here's the host of the Pickleball Show, Chris Allen. Thank you, Coach Mo. From the PBX Club Studios, live in Asheville, North Carolina, it's the Pickleball Show. I am your host, Chris Allen, joined today by District Ambassador up in Portland, Maine, Linda Einsiedler. Hey, Linda, how are you today? Howdy, Chris. Oh, it sounds like you're getting over a cold. Yes. Uh, Is it keeping you off the pickleball court? Yeah, for the past two days, I've just been... Uh, really a plant at home here uh. um, right now i'm watching the guys play outside <laughs> oh that's that's cruel they they play right in front of you and all you can do is sit there and watch them i know oh well we appreciate you making time for us today we wanted to talk about some rules questions that people have and we'd also like to welcome everybody here on the webinar format for the pickleball show got a lot of attendees dennis uh, greg mark mary mike paula everybody robert uh, verlin thank you all for showing up and everybody else and uh, if you want to type in what cities you guys are in uh, i'd love to see that i'd like to see uh, the different cities around the around the country and around the world that uh, we have people listening in on. Abilene, Texas. All right. Park City, Utah. Great. Uh, Yontville, California. We wanted to get to a, a couple of different rules questions today, Linda. And one of them, Mark Delvecchio had asked if we could revisit rule 2F1. And that was the rule. We had a, a true and false trivia question a few episodes ago. And it was uh, the, the question was, uh, the referee may ask you to change your shirt if the shirt color is too close to the ball color. And if I remember correctly, I think it was about 79% said that that was true. And that actually turned out to be false. That's uh, rule 2F, as in Frank, 1. And uh, my understanding is that no, that uh, that you can't be asked to change your shirt that color it doesn't play a part in it at all and that uh, any color is acceptable is that your uh, understanding linda uh, that's my read on that i think that the rule 2 f5 that violation that the tournament director can ask for a clothing change that doesn't apply to the color because 2f1 says clothing may be of any color mm -hmm. um, but the next rule the player should not wear extremely loose fitting or otherwise distracting garments. I think that's where um, the tournament director can ask for clothing change. But the tournament director on their flyer, I've seen this all the time. They just they specify what what ball they are, they have and and they they do uh, specify um, no clothing of that color. Oh, okay, so right before the tournament even starts, they can say that your clothing cannot match the, say, the lime green of a of a jugs ball or the the yellow of a dura ball. Correct. Okay, and um, the paddle color is also something that people have asked about previously. Any color is acceptable for a paddle color for the face of the paddle, isn't it? Still, 
That yes, there's no rule about paddle color. Well, I think we were talking. Yeah, it was it was probably months ago with Melissa McCurley, and she had mentioned that there was just some chatter about it, but nothing official. But uh, that nobody. It's a slippery slope when you start trying to regulate colors because you know people see colors differently, and uh, what what looks like a match to me might not look like a match to you. That really would open up a big can of worms if you started trying to police different colors. Yeah, and it's one thing to change your shirt, but it's another thing to make them require require them to change your paddle. What have you been hearing, Linda, in the ambassador forum? Anything, uh, any any big hot topics right now that are being uh, bandied about there? There was a lot of talk about the no volley zone and the momentum rule. But I'm sure we've covered that in previous previous shows, haven't we, Chris? Well, we have, but it's always good to, to go back over it again because you know not everybody catches every show. You're talking about the momentum rule being uh, you hit the ball, you're not in the kitchen, but then when you hit the ball, your momentum carries you into the kitchen where you have to step in to regain your balance, correct? Correct. What's the controversy? Uh, the momentum rule is 9C. If in the act of volleying the ball, the player's momentum causes the player to come in, or if anything the player is wearing or caring to touch, touch the no volley zone or the line, then it's a fault. And then there was a lot of chatter about, well, what if the ball at the end of the point, the player hits the ball at the line and teeters for a few seconds and then falls in after the point is done. There's a lot of discussion about that. And it's pretty clear, it's just if the player falls in due to the momentum of that volley, then even if play is dead at the points ended, that player falls in, that's a kitchen fault. Mm-hmm. And, and it was, there was a lot of chatter about that. Um, a, lot of imb- a lot of players didn't understand that rule. Well, I remember when I first started playing, there was a gentleman that, that I was playing against, and, uh, and he, would, he would point to the ball. He would say, no, see, look, that ball's over there in the corner. That's a dead ball. And you know, then he felt like it was okay for him to step in. And, um, right. and this was when I was first starting out, so I didn't know the difference. But then I went and, and researched it and found out, no, that that's not true, that it's, it's almost like you're a gymnast. You know, when you watch the Olympics and they, they do the dismount or whatever, and then they, they hit the floor, and then they, they try to stick that landing, but they regain their, you know, they're, they're kind of twirling their arms to regain their balance. But it's not over. You know, the program isn't over until they, you know, have their balance on the floor. Right. You know, you could stand there for, for a couple of minutes trying to regain your balance. And uh, you're not done until you have completed that motion. Correct. I understand that there is confusion uh, continuing about that, but uh, because you get and and some I've heard some clubs will will kind of adopt their own little rules and say, all right, we're not gonna we're not gonna abide by that one so much. But uh, then that's a dangerous way to play too when you start you know setting your own rules on your you know just in your club. Don't want to do that. I agree, and I've refereed um, enough tournament games to, you know, I see. In tournaments, if I see a call a player two or three times during a game, I go up to that player afterwards and say, you know, you really need to work on that. And the player goes, yeah, we don't we don't call kitchen when we practice in our club. And it's pretty clear when you see players who get called in kitchen repeatedly that they're not calling it when they're practicing at home. And so we really try to work on that in our practice sessions up here in Maine. Mm-hmm. 
Speaking of the kitchen, we had uh, something happen last week. Uh, I was playing against uh, a gentleman, and uh, my my partner said, "Oh, yeah, your shoes are just uh, you're you're in the kitchen there. You're right on the line." And then he said, "Well, they're not touching the line. You know, my tennis shoes are curving up." And, and just that curve, you know, they're not, it's not touching the floor of the line and uh, trying to do that. Like, you know, like if you were wearing clown shoes or something and the clown shoes <laughs> stuck out and it's like, well, and then it became this thing. Well, do they have to be touching the line? Because I could hover my leg over the kitchen and I'm not in the kitchen as long as I'm not, not touching it. And he said, well, what if the tips, if the tips of my tennis shoes aren't touching the line, then, uh, then I'm not actually in the kitchen. But my partner said, no, he said, because a referee can't really make Make that kind of determination, you know, that close. If if he sees that your shoes are over the line, uh, you can't expect a referee to go, oh yeah, but that can see light in between the shoe and the and the floor. Uh, that would ask way too much. So if your shoes, if you're standing and your shoes are are over that line, he's gonna call it on you. Exactly. We had we have that problem. Well, sometimes with players, let's face it, players who are have bigger feet. They've just got to be more careful because they have a tendency to crowd the line like that. And they say that, and I, I say exactly what you said. You have got to make the adjustment because that's going to get called on you. I don't care if your shoes are, are tipping up like, that, like the clown feet, but uh-huh. it's going to get called on you, and it really stinks to have that called on you in the tournament. So make the adjustment and don't argue. I can't stand that. <laughs> arguing with the ref (laughs) (laughs) here's a question from verlin uh verlin says can a paddle cross the net at any time just not touch the net well we covered this in a previous session too remember the scenario where a player hits a ball a, a drop shot that's really spinning hard bounces on the opponent's side spins so hard that it bounces back Mm -hmm. to the the other side, there you, the opponent must reach over to the other side and touch the ball but not touch the net mm-hmm. um, to get the point. That's the only time that they're allowed, their paddle's allowed to cross the plane of the net. When the ball is on that other side? When the ball has bounced once on their side mm-hmm. but with so much spin that it's now bounced back to the other side. Say the ball was on your side and you hit it and and just the follow through of your paddle went across the net. Is that okay? If you don't touch the net, I think it's okay. Yeah, it if should you be. Hit, and you you hit it, you hit it on your side, right? Yeah, yeah. Say it, say it. Uh, it bounces. Uh, it's on your side, and you hit the ball, and just that motion. It's it's you, when you make contact, it's still on your side, but just the motion of your arm takes the paddle across the other side, and you do not touch the net. That's allowable. I think it is. I, I'm not aware of any rule against that. No, I think it would be like in volleyball, where I mean, you can you can spike the ball, and as long as your your you know your arm comes down on that side, that's okay. As long as it doesn't touch the net, and then you pull your arm back in, then uh, you should be fine. And I'm sure that it's that way in badminton too. Right. Yeah. So. And that yeah, and that's different because that's a follow through. It's not actually hitting the ball. I think really the intent of the rule is you're limited to your side of the court. You can't cross the plane of the net to hit a ball except in that one scenario that I just talked about because you can only play on your side of the court. 
Right. I've got right. another question from Mark Delvecchio. Mark uh, wants to know about reestablishing outside the non-volley zone. You you want to have your two feet planted outside of the non-volley zone. Let's so say you go in and then you, you go back out. You got to have your two feet planted. I saw a video a couple of weeks ago. It was, uh, I remember it was Matt Staub, and I can't remember who he was playing, but Matt was in the kitchen and he did the thing where he crossed over to the corner um, of the kitchen. Yeah. But he drug his foot instead of like taking his foot up and, and putting it down. He just drug his foot over like in the kitchen and then out of the kitchen. And that was OK. They called that OK because he had reestablished just the fact that he drug his foot over and he was outside of the uh, the uh, sideline. He had reestablished that he was outside of the kitchen. And so that was a legal shot. What was their conversation about it or was it just not called? It, well, actually, it, Wayne Mugley was refereeing. It might have been Tournament of Champions, and Wayne Mugley was the ref, and he actually called him. He called a foot fault on him, but then he realized that he drug his foot, and he, he took it back. He said, nope, you know what? My mistake. He drug his foot over. That reestablished it. It was, uh, I shouldn't have called that. Let's replay the point. Okay. Oh, I like that. Okay. I that's interesting because it's so hard with the five O's and their fast feet with that particular scenario too to watch the kitchen and to ref those games and see the kitchen. Oh yeah, I couldn't imagine refing a game with the with the top players like that. <laughs> that would be pretty nerve wracking. Yeah. Good question, Mark. Thank you for that. Let's see, uh, let me go to a question here from Robert. Robert says, let's see, I see more and more illegal serves without upward motion and with the paddle slightly higher than the wrist break. Yet it seems refs are very reluctant to call this. We, uh, speaking of Wayne Mugley, we did talk with Wayne Mugley about serves and and he said that, uh, you know, he, he likes to give people I guess, uh, benefit of the doubt. And it's got to be pretty blatant, you know, before he'll go ahead and, and start calling it on him. What have you run into, Linda? I have the same feeling that unless it's really blatant, giving them the server an advantage and maybe spin, that's how you'd see it, then I'm pretty reluctant to call it. And I've questioned some serves up at the National, up in Minneapolis when I played in National Senior Games. And, you know, the chief refs, they're not really that aggressive in in, um, calling illegal serves at that level. And I kind of agree with them on it, unless it's really blatant or if it's giving the server a clear advantage. Now, though, in my practice sessions, if there's a player that has a borderline illegal serve, we will talk about it. Like with the player, sometimes I can video, you know, just use your iPhone and video the serve and then show it to the person and the person understands it and can make make the correction. But that's where we work very hard in our practice sessions to try to correct these serves before we get to tournament play. Here's a question that came in. It says, how can one apply for a rule change? What's the process? Uh, do you go to the USAPA and how do you get something like that started if you think that there should be a rule change? I don't really know what the process is. I just know that Dennis Dacey's the head and probably I would send the inquiry through your ambassador who sends it up to the district ambassador and then they'll send it to Dennis Dacey if they feel that it is um, a legitimate request. I wouldn't have the whole country sending emails to Dennis Dacey (laughs) about rule requests. (laughs) I didn't say that, Dennis. (laughs) 
Well, Linda, thank you so much for joining us today. And I hope we answered some rules questions here for everybody and cleared up some, uh, some maybe some misconceptions and, and uh, fleshed out some some things. And it certainly is fun having the queen of the rule book here on the Pickleball uh, Show. Thank you as always, Linda. You're so kind, Chris. And we'd like to thank you for joining us today as well. Hey, have you gotten your copy of the top 10 tips from Pickleball's three greatest coaches? Coach Mo, Deb Harrison, Prame Carnot, all together in one quick study guide that will definitely take your game to the next level. It's absolutely free. You don't need a credit card. All you need is an email address. Just head over to freepbxclub.com. That's freepbxclub.com. We'll send it right out to you. Also, head over to iTunes. Hit that subscribe button. You'll never miss an episode of the Pickleball Show. Plus, if you feel it's appropriate, leave us a five-star review, which boosts us up in the rankings and makes it a lot easier for other pickleball players around the world to find this show. I'm Chris Allen. This is the Pickleball Show. And until next week, keep them low. The Pickleball Show is brought to you by PBX Club. PBX stands for Pickleball Excellence. Join today and get the latest pickleball tips and strategies, news, and opinion. Save money on paddles and other equipment with coupon codes to online pickleball retailers. Get travel discounts to tournaments and a whole lot more. How much does it cost to become a PBX Club member? Well, it's free. Just go to freepbxclub.com. That's freepbxclub.com. There's even a link in the show notes for this episode. FreePBXClub.com. PBX Pickleball Excellence. Join the club. It's free.